your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth. A great Friday with uh, some movies to cover. Yeah, including a big one with Idris Elba. Yeah, fighting courageously against a rampaging rogue lion. We will cover Beast. Uh, we will cover other films that have been getting a certain amount of attention and controversy. Uh, we will also talk about an incredible case where a career criminal who uh, spent one wild day in March going around attacking people with knives, pushing women down the stairs, and murdering someone Turns out that uh, particular criminal is getting $36,000 from taxpayers. Why? For competence restoration. It's going to take more than thirty-six grand to restore his competence for anything, I would imagine. We will cover that story from right here in Seattle. There's also a declaration that we're already in the midst of a civil war. But at least it's not a civil war about wild dancing and partying by a head of state, the uh, Prime Minister of Finland. Would this be any different if she were a he? I think it would be wildly different and much less likely to be forgiven. We will cover that. Uh, also talk about a, a popular podcaster on the left who says he doesn't uh, care about Hunter Biden even if there were a series of dead children in his basement. It's a stupid thing to say, and what does it signify? We will get to that as well. And a member of the Beatles has been given eight life sentences. No, not the real Beatles. Uh, they are obviously two of the four are gone. But no, it's not Paul McCartney or Ringo Starr. No, this is one of the ISIS Beatles who had been uh, taking hostages and murdering Americans. Uh, all right, we will, we will get to all of that here on the Medved Show. But first up, a statement that is so over the line, it seems to me. It's by Tiffany Cross, who is a contributor over at MSNBC. And she said this about the uh, civil war she doesn't think a civil war is coming why not listen that train has left the station there is no let's deal with the rhetoric at this point i do think we have to have serious conversations around preparing for actual violence uh people keep saying a civil war is coming i would say a civil war is here and i don't mean to be hyperbolic we can look at what has happened just in the past week alone since all this has happened we've had two people try to declare war with fbi field offices i don't think at this point we're going to all pack up our bags and go home and sing kumbaya Okay, uh, so what does she think is going to happen? And when she says a civil war is here, see, the, the thing about the last civil war, and I, I was engaged in conversation about this uh, with, uh, I believe it was with Mona Charon, uh, that to, to have a civil war, what made the civil war happen and what made it so bloody and possible in the United States is there were state governmental institutions that wanted to break away from this country. There was a huge portion of the officer corps in the United States, the leaders of our military, 
who took the side of the Confederacy, who felt that their primary loyalty was to their states. Robert E. Lee, who was, it is not a fiction, it is not a myth, he was offered the command of the Union armies. But he didn't take it because he felt his primary loyalty was to Virginia. And Virginia had decided in a very close vote to secede from the Union. You were talking there about organized bodies of people who were willing to give their lives over a crucial issue, which was slavery. And the continued extension of slavery, survival of slavery, what was going to happen with that crucial issue. That was something people were willing to fight and die for. Are uh, there are a lot of Americans out there who are willing to fight and die uh, on either side over a set of uh, papers that were taken from the White House illegally by President Trump? And uh, then that illegal act, which it was, provoked the FBI and the Justice Department to actually get those papers back with a search of Mar-a-Lago. Remember, he had already had attorneys who had told the federal government, who had told the FBI that, uh, no, we have no more classified material here, no classified material at Mar-a-Lago at all. They had reason, and we'll find out probably what the reasons were, to believe that that was a lie, that it wasn't true. And uh, that was what they were searching to prove. Now, all of this is going to be at least illuminated a little bit, and it should be, with the redacted version of the affidavit that is supposed to be coming out, and it's going to be hundreds of pages. Apparently, it's a great deal of material. And uh, there are some people who think that when that affidavit comes out, it's just not uh, uh, going to be enough to really answer any of these questions definitively. Paul Rosenzweig, who was a uh, former senior counsel to Ken Starr when he was a, uh, a special counsel on Bill Clinton, leading to Bill Clinton's impeachment, he uh, has this to say about what he thinks is coming with the redacted classified documents uh, from Mar-a-Lago with the affidavit that's coming on next Thursday. Here's what Rosenzweig has to say, clip two. I think it, the DOJ is going to redact everything except the name, uh, the words Mar-a-Lago and Department of Justice and see. I, I exaggerate, of course, but some things I know for sure. We're not going to find out if there is an inter internal human source. We're not going to find out uh, what it was that might have been on the surveillance video that's been alleged to have been part of the case. We're not going to find out exactly what the classified nature of the documents is. The DOJ is going to redact them. So in the end, I'm guessing that the Department of Justice will fight to keep the amount of disclosure as narrow as possible because, as you said in the opening, uh, they're worried about ruining the ongoing investigation, the destruction of evidence, witnesses unwilling to testify that. So the, the part of uh, the uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland and the other officials at uh, Justice and the FBI. But the fact that it is a mistake doesn't make it a crime and uh, doesn't indicate that it has only political motives. If you have clear evidence that the President of the United States has in fact destroyed evidence, has in fact violated both the Espionage Act and the Presidential Records Act, what are you supposed to do? 
I, I mean, again, the pressure from within the agencies and from some of those veteran prosecutors uh, would be very strong to pursue the case. And really, on something like this, people are ready to shed their lives to protect uh, President Trump. Here is, here is the secret. Right now, the, uh, the idea that there is all this focus on this issue and the focus is all Trump, 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 every day, every hour, that's something that President Trump loves. It's the position he likes to be the center of attention, to be the center stage, to be the lead attraction. That's him. But the Democrats like it, too. They love it. Why? Because it means people aren't talking about Biden. They aren't talking about the issues, the issue of crime, which can still undo the Democratic gains that they've made in the last few days. How am I so sure that they will gain Democrats from all this attention on Trump? We'll get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show. The Michael Medved Show. show uh, yes there is a great and overwhelming disapproval among republicans uh, and it's almost unanimous uh, people in the republican party who disapprove of the decision by merrick garland which he claims he had agonized about for weeks will ought to be able to find out why was it such an agonizing decision it looks to me like it should have been uh up and down Open, close, slam shut. Why, if the decision was so agonizing, then Merrick Garland ought to be able to answer why. But he made the decision to go ahead and search the Mar-a-Lago premises for these papers that they had already subpoenaed to get back from Trump and that he was not giving back. So what was the deal here? Uh, why were they going after Trump so dramatically? Now... If there is a political motivation to it, it could be a motivation to actually save the election of 2022 for the Democrats. Now, if this is so unpopular with Republicans, then how does it actually help Democrats win the election? I'll tell you how, because it gets the focus back on Trump. Trump is less popular personally and far less popular than the Republican Party at large. And the Trump candidates who he installed are less popular than the party at large. This should have been... Look, Republicans are strong in the state of Pennsylvania. They have been for a long time. And they've controlled the legislature, both houses, for a long time. But uh, the, the truth of the matter is that not only did Trump manage to lose Pennsylvania last time, and it wasn't close, it wasn't 10,000 votes, it was, I believe it was 60 or 70,000 votes last time in Pennsylvania. And last time, if you look nationwide at the election of 2020, the Republicans actually did better, and by millions did better in the election of 2020 
than uh, Trump did as a uh, candidate for president. And how do we know this? Well, because they figure out the total number or the total percentage of votes and the total number of votes that you get for congressional candidates. And most of congressional candidates, most of congressional races, I am 100% sure that there are uh, people out there who don't know the name of who you voted for last time for Congress, for your congressman. Many people don't know the name of your own congressman. Most people vote Republican-Democrat. That's what they do. And last time, the president of the United States, uh, Donald Trump, in 2020, was running behind and pretty well behind the uh, the Republicans who were running for the House of Representatives. Republicans got uh, 48% last time. The Democrats got 51%. Trump got 46%. And... By the way, in 2016, it was the same thing. Republicans did very well nationally. It wasn't that Trump discovered all these brand new voters and he brought them over to the Republican Party. Part of uh, what happened in, in 2016 is it was a Republican vote and uh, Trump was running behind the party, which is why he lost the popular vote to Hillary. And he lost the popular vote very big time to Biden. And this idea that somehow uh, Trump Trump is magic in the Republican Party. And we was arguing about this yesterday with Mona Sharon. But yes, I do believe that Trump by far of any of the presidential possibilities more than DeSantis, more than anybody, certainly more than Liz Cheney, pump uh, Trump I said pump. No, no, no. It's Trump, 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 Trump. Trump is the most popular single figure in the Republican Party, but that doesn't mean he is a likely winner for president or that his influence and his association is going to help Republicans this year. I'm looking at today's hotline. They have polls from crucial states, swing states. They're going to determine who controls the U.S. Senate. From Ohio, from Arizona, from Wisconsin, from Pennsylvania, from Moore, from North Carolina. They're all bad for Republicans. Why? Because the attention has shifted from inflation and Biden and uh, the Biden uh, horrible mismanagement of Afghanistan the uh, the doubts about Biden's leadership and basic competence. And I, I, again, it is not a good thing when people are spending all their time talking about Donald Trump and uh, basically forgetting Joe Biden. This is a Democrat's dream. And if there is one aspect of all of this attention and all of this debate about what uh, Trump had in Mar-a-Lago and what he didn't have, it's uh, it, it benefits the Democrats because it takes attention away from Biden and the direction of the country and his failures and economic insecurity and stupid ideas like giving away free scholarship money, basically saying that students don't have to pay off their loans that they took out. I mean, all of this is is a disaster and uh, it is a disaster that should be hurting the Democrats. 
So why is it that the website 538 today, this morning, you wake up, they're now giving John Fetterman a 73% chance of winning in his uh, Pennsylvania Senate race against Mehmet Oz. Uh, what's the story on that? A lot of people are saying the story is that, well, it's that Mehmet Oz did a stupid ad where it showed him looking at vegetables and saying, yeah, now I want to get some vegetables that my wife is going to use in our crudités. Okay, and the idea being a typical American, a typical Pennsylvania voter, a middle-class voter, it doesn't make crudités. I, uh, I mean, again, um, I don't. <laughs> my, I, my wife has never prepared crudités. She's prepared vegetable trays. You know, that, that happens. But uh, that idea of sinking Mehmet Oz, it isn't that. It's the whole idea of Trump and the idea of uh, the so-called stolen election and the fact that he made it a requirement for candidates that he would endorse, most of whom won, in the Republican Party. But that doesn't mean that they convinced anybody in the electorate at large. The idea that you are tied to Trump by uh, believing and repeating the idiotic lies, the totally groundless lies about a stolen election. And part of what's so idiotic about it. It's okay, let's say you win the argument. Wow, you've won the argument. There were, um, basically, they did this recount in Kansas where they found a total of about 16 votes. And it probably went the other way that were questionable. Let's say you even win those arguments. What do you do about it? What they ought to do about it right now is return the focus to national policy where it belongs. There's also such a thing as local policy. What about the idea of giving a horrible criminal $36,000 of taxpayer money? We will get to that coming right up on the MedBed Show. list of history shows at medvidhistorystore.com. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, you can get everything free from Medved History Store if you are a Medhead Plus member, which costs you all of 22 cents a day. And that's a lot of information, but it's a tremendous amount of information that is available through the Medved History Store. Uh, go to our website to michaelmedved.com or go to medvedhistorystore.com and join up as a Medhead Plus member, a uh, growing contingent of people who are staying informed. They get this show in its podcast version without commercial interruption uh, anytime you want it and you want to go ahead and download it, listen to it. And uh, you also get access to more than 100 different Medved history programs on all kinds of crucial topics. Now, this next topic is not a major historic event, but it's symptomatic of why, boy, do I ever agree with two Democrats who wrote in the Wall Street Journal, journal uh, Doug Schoen and Andrew Stein, and both of them backgrounds as liberal Democrats, Clinton Democrats. They were actually very involved in the Clinton campaigns. Uh, they are writing, don't count out crime as a 2022 midterm issue. And it's because of the 
idiotic attempts to soft pedal criminality and to coddle criminals, basically, that characterize the Democratic Party wherever they are in San Francisco and Los Angeles and Philadelphia and, uh, yes, in Seattle. Okay, uh, here's a uh, headline for you. Uh, the man accused of shoving a woman down the stairs at a Seattle light rail station now faces a first-degree murder charge for a beating that occurred just a few hours later. The uh, prosecutors say that 40-year-old Alexander J. beat 31-year-old Brent Wood to death on March 3rd around 12.30 a.m. Uh, Jay is already accused of several violent crimes just before this deadly attack. Uh, this guy, who is, you'll be shocked to hear it, homeless, uh, has a prolific criminal record. He has, uh, since 2000, uh, more than a dozen violent crimes. And he's still out there wandering around, mumbling to himself. And part of what he did, in a, in a separate article before the payoff here, Alexander J., also known as J. Alexander, was arrested the day after throwing a woman down the stairs at the International District Chinatown Light Rail Station and then stabbing a woman at least ten times at a bus stop in Seattle's Little Saigon International District. Both women were strangers to Jay who's been charged with first and second degree assault in the March 2nd incidents, which happened about 30 minutes apart. A passerby called 9-11 early March 3rd, roughly 12 hours after the bus stop stabbing, to report finding a man unresponsive and bleeding from the head in the parking lot of Capitol Hill Dry Cleaner, uh, according to the murder charge filed. Seattle police found 31-year-old Brent Wood dead, from significant blunt force injuries to the back of his head, and an autopsy later determined he had been struck at least five times and suffered fatal skull fractures, charging papers say. In other words, our homeless neighbor, uh, as he's called, Alexander J., had attacked a third person, this one fatally, for no reason. Because he was just wandering around trying to do violence and succeeded. Uh, this is completely unbelievable and outrageous. And uh, here's the outrageous part. Is he has yet to stand trial because a judge has determined that he needs competency restoration treatment. But he's been unable to get it because they don't have any beds in the mental facilities. And so the taxpayer is paying him all kinds of money. Listen to this. Jay has been held in the King County Jail since March 10th. However, in April, a judge deemed Jay incompetent to stand trial and ordered him to spend the next three months in an inpatient facility getting mental health treatment called competency restoration treatment. Uh, that's supposed to allow him to understand the charges against him. He is, uh, according to reports so far gone, he can't understand that he's now being held on murder charges. In June, Judge Johanna Bender ruled the State Department of Social and Health Services must pay uh, Mr. J $250 a day until he's out of jail and receiving the mental health treatment he needs. The issue is there's no bed space available. 
So Jay sits in jail, continuing to rack up tens of thousands of dollars taxpayers will have to foot. According to uh, the Department of Self and uh, Human Services, Jay is expected to get out of jail by October 2nd. At that point, the state will owe him, listen to this, $36,750. Nathan Wood, the younger brother of the murder victim, uh, Brent's Wood, uh, says it's ridiculous, it's not right, he shouldn't be getting money. <laughs> of course he shouldn't be getting money. He should be locked away forever. Jay is just one of hundreds of people awaiting bed space at state mental health facilities. So far, the state has paid out $69,500 in similar cases. This number does not include the $36,750 expected to go to Jay. According to our court documents, Jay has a criminal record dating all the way back to 2000. His uh, recent charges include home burglary, assault, attempted assault, and domestic violence. In total, Jay has had seven cases in King County in the last five years. He's scheduled for arraignment on August 29th. Prosecutors argued for Jay to be held on $650,000 for the two felony assault cases, plus another $5 million for this murder case. Uh, so it looks like getting out on bail is not a likely outcome. What does this relate to as the crime issue? Uh, Doug Schoen and Andrew Stein, both of whom are veteran Democrats, write, Americans are anxious about crime. And that could spell more trouble for Democrats in November. A Council on Criminal Justice study of 22 U.S. cities found that the number of homicides in 2021 was 44% higher than in 2019. According to an April Gallup poll, 80% of Americans worry about crime and 53% say they now worry a great deal. This rise in crime is largely the byproduct of far-left criminal justice and policing reforms that Democratic cities and states have adopted over the past few years. Such policies include sweeping and indiscriminate police budget cuts, defund the police, remember that, reckless sentence guidelines, and cashless bail. Much of the increase in crime has come in solidly Democratic cities like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and New York, but suburban swing voters are sensitive to the issue. The National Republican Congressional Committee has already booked $52.3 million in TV ads airing in key house races across the country that tap into the overarching theme of insecurity, personal as well as economic, and blaming Democrats for soaring violent crime as well as soaring prices at the supermarket. Does all of this matter? Well, of course it matters, which is... Why it's important to talk about it, for goodness sake, uh, rather than the, the latest idiocy. Right now, there's a, a concern because uh, President Trump claims that they have not returned his three passports. It's unclear why he needed three passports. But uh, that the Justice Department, FBI, they haven't returned his passports yet, and he may have to postpone his trip to Scotland. Are you kidding me? Why is he going to Scotland anyway, right now? We'll talk about that and more 
coming up on the Medved Show. Michael Medved show there are controversial leaders all over the world and sometimes there are controversial leaders where you don't know unless you're up there close and personal and involved for instance in Finnish politics that uh, there's any real controversy about uh, Santa Marin uh, Santa Marin is the Prime Minister of Finland. Uh, she was, when she was selected to be Prime Minister, she was 34 years old. She's 36 now. Uh, she was one of the youngest heads of state uh, anywhere in the world. And uh, she is personable. She's attractive. She's uh, charismatic. And uh, again, a lot of goodwill towards Santa Marin in uh, the United States of America and Great Britain and France and across Western Europe. Why? Because she has led Finland into a NATO alliance. And good for her. This is a historic achievement for her country. But there's, there's now a completely different basis for attention to uh, Santa Marin uh, says in the New York Post the firestorm over Finnish Prime Minister Santa Marin's wild partying intensified Friday with a new video seemingly showing the married leader dancing intimately with a mystery man now remember Bojo Boris Johnson uh, a leader of the British Conservative Party and a leader of uh, the Brexit movement and the Prime Minister of Britain, who was elected with an epic landslide for his conservative pro-Brexit side last time, he's forced to resign because of partying. Now, really, he was. It was a scandal because during very intense and uh, strict and uh, serious lockdowns at the beginning of the pandemic, he was secretly violating all the rules he expected for everybody else at 10 Downing Street. And uh, this is not that, but it, it's, it's different also because there was no accusation, at least this time and with this marriage, that uh, Bojo was involved with anybody else. But here it uh, says in the New York Post, for instance, a 36-year-old leader, one of the world's youngest heads of state, has already been forced to deny being on drugs in a now viral clip of her partying in an apartment after returning from summer vacation. On uh, Friday, the Finnish tabloid Siska posted a new video of her later that night showing the top politician uh, pressed up against a man who repeatedly nuzzles her neck, or he may be whispering in her ear as they dance in a packed Helsinki club, Teateri. Uh, this is what the partying actually sounded like in this viral video that has been viewed now like by 20 million people. Uh, listen, it's clip 14. <laughs> That's actually not what it sounded like. I, I am sure she can... <laughs> 
Okay, again, my finish is a little bit rusty, so uh, I can't really help. Uh, the baby shark, I understand. The baby shark would have been appropriate. She has a four-year-old at home. No, she does. She really does. Uh, she has a four-year-old. She's been married for two years uh, to the father of the child. It's, uh, and, and her husband was apparently not there for party time. The... Uh, uh, Marin, who has been married for two years to Marcus Rayconen, an investor and former Finnish soccer player, hugs the man as the club plays the Black Eyed Peas chorus of I got a feeling that tonight's going to be a good, good night. One witness told the outlet that the clearly intoxicated social democrat danced intimately with at least three different men. She also sat on the laps of two different men, insisted the witness. She acted like a single 20-something. Actually, you see the video, she looks like a 20-something, wearing uh, a sleeveless, loose-fitting black uh, top, and, uh, and she has the moves. It was hard to believe she, that she is married, the witness told Seska, claiming the prime minister was out until at least 5.30 a.m., uh, in the uh, video of her dancing with the mystery man, Marin, who has a four-year-old daughter with Ray Conan, is clearly wearing a ring on her wedding finger. Oh, I'm glad they established that. Uh, Seska conceded that it was unclear if the man, who at times had his hand on the prime minister's <clears throat> lower back, uh, kissed her neck or was merely whispering in her ear. The outlet said the politician was also spotted dancing on a balcony during another raucous night on Friday, August 5th, the night before the dancing clips were filmed. Despite having partied wildly throughout the weekend, the nation's leader was back at work. First thing that Monday, with only slightly hoarse voice, betraying her hard weekend of partying. Well, there's the Black Eyed Peas version that she was partying to. What she said is, she said, we just partied also in a boisterous way. I danced and I sang, she said, while also telling a press conference that she has not used drugs. I've danced, sung, and partied and done perfectly legal things. Uh, I, this is not going to be the end of her political career. There's not going to be a vote of no confidence. There will be nothing like that. What if it had been a guy? Think about that today. I, I do believe that we have reversed the double standard. Once upon a time, I think that any hint of a sort of a wild party life for a female politician would have been curtains, wouldn't have been uh, withstood. Uh, but uh, for guys, basically, I mean, you can look at uh, the reports on President Kennedy where the press basically kept it quiet for him. I, I think there is much less, because of the hashtag Me Too stuff, there is much less ready forgiveness for any kind of um, partying that might, oh, put a normal young mother, married prime minister uh, status in question. 
there is much less forgiveness that would be available for a male in a similar situation. And and by the way, use as an example Boris Johnson. And uh, uh, look, this is not to say that uh, Santa Marin is uh, uh, an enemy of any decency or anything of that nature. It's not true. But uh, I do think it is true that it is worth thinking about the way that standards change. And the way that standards change, I mentioned before some of the problems that, uh, that Republicans are facing right now. And it's right now because of a question of focus. In Arizona, uh, the Trump-endorsed candidate, Blake Masters, won the nomination. He's now losing to Mark Kelly, the incumbent Democratic senator, 50 to 42. In the governor's race in Arizona, uh, the Trump-endorsed candidate for governor, Carrie Lake, also won. She's losing to the Democratic Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, 47-44. In uh, Wisconsin, where the Democrats have nominated somebody way off to the left, I mean, basically in the... Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, uh, Rashida Tlaib kind of uh, group of the Democratic Party. But Mandela Barnes, the lieutenant governor, is uh, leading incumbent Senator Ron Johnson 50 to 46. Generally, when an incumbent is running, you expect him or her to be winning. And now the fact that Johnson is losing is the race for governor is closer. Tony Evers, the incumbent Democrat, uh, is leading the Republican challenger. Trump endorsed uh, Tim Michaels, uh, but just by 49 to 46. And uh, in, in North Carolina, which has generally been considered a leaning Republican safe seat, the uh, black uh, Supreme Court Chief Justice, whose name is Sherry Beasley, she's the Democratic nominee, is tied with uh, Representative Ted Budd, who is running to keep that seat secure. Now, all of this is going on, it seems to me, not just as a reflection of some of the successes legislatively that uh, Biden has, has managed to eke out, not just because the price of gas has gone down a little bit, but because the focus has shifted. And the focus has turned where it doesn't belong in this country uh, to one individual who's highly controversial. The name is Trump. Not necessarily the best focus for this greatest nation on God's great earth.